From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Thank you and welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler, hang your cloak in a peg, grab a stool and come warm yourself by the fire. There are stories to be told and you are among friends. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah to all of you from everyone here at the Conspiracy Show, from uh, the Mighty Aphrodite and my uh, my little guys North and Zach, and they're running around here somewhere driving Ian nuts, no doubt. <laughs> he's shaking his head, yes. No, he's not. He's just kidding. Anyway, God bless all of you. Uh, occultism in Washington D.C. Shocking revelations about Satanism in the U.S. Capitol, the supernatural truth behind the Trump derangement syndrome. Uh, Dr. Thomas Horn, radio personality, publisher, best-selling author, is next to talk to you about how secret deep state occultists are manipulating American society through a Washington-based shadow government. And then coming up in the second hour, sort of keeping with the uh, the theme tonight, from the Order of Exorcists, Michael Fries, who is an expert in religious studies. He's published a scholarly work in demonology on the infestation, oppression, and possession of evil spirits concerning demonic activities. He'll join us. Are the global elite possessed and under the control of a Luciferian cult, desperately trying to install the reign of the Antichrist? As I say, it's kind of a theme show. Although these things uh, often just come together in terms of guest availability. There's no real... Intent um, is not right, Albert. I mean, we don't we don't necessarily set out to do a theme show. We say, okay, let's start lining up shows, and then these things just kind of fall into place. And tonight we have a classic. Good luck, example. a lot of good luck. <laughs> Indeed. Well, well, good luck, Providence, probably. I would think. Uh, anyway, ultimately, I, I I think I've mentioned on this program a number of times. I believe. You know, we talk about conspiracies, but the greatest conspiracy of all is one of a spiritual nature. The battle of good and evil. It is not against flesh and bone that we are fighting. It is against spirit. Having said that, a very, again, a very Merry Christmas, as we say in uh, Greek, from the uh, Sarat family, the mighty Aphrodite, North Zach to all of you, and a uh, happy Hanukkah. Just a reminder about my new podcast, Conspiracy Unlimited, now available, three new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. And uh, again, Conspiracy Unlimited, you can subscribe at iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Now, I urge you to subscribe now. Get in on the ground floor, as they say, because at some point we may have to cap it and um, end the free subscription. But I, uh, I want you to get in early on that. ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com Also, as the year draws to a close, I want to thank some very special people who make this show possible every week. Ian Robertson, my uh, technical producer, a very talented musician, one of the finest young men of his generation that I've met. I mean that, Ian. And my twin boys adore you. You know that. Albert Vinzel, my uh, tireless and selfless story producer. Albert and I enjoyed a cup or two of uh, Christmas cheer before the show tonight, kind of a tradition. Albert, thank you for all you do all year long. Uh, Merry Christmas, uh, my good friend. Ryan White, my feature producer and YouTube stream producer, was not able to join us for our Christmas party. He was uh, sadly missed. He called me this afternoon to tell me he couldn't make it, and uh, he's fighting the flu. But Ryan, if you're listening... 
thank you for all of your hard work. You're a fine young man, and uh, I truly appreciate everything you do for the show. Be well, and Merry Christmas. And one more little uh, order of business here. We have a brand new affiliate. This is actually a very uh, special affiliate for me to announce. It is a station in Knoxville, WETR, AMFM, Knoxville, Tennessee, 760 AM. They'll be joining us January the 7th. And why is it special? Well, Knoxville. My very dear late friend, R. Gary Patterson, was from Knoxville. I've mentioned this a number of times. He and I were working on a radio project about rock and roll and the paranormal. And we had approached a station in Knoxville, WETR. They were going to meet with us on a, a Monday in late May to discuss taking that radio program on. And, of course, as you now know, the Friday, I believe it was, before that meeting was to take place, Gary left us. He passed away. So here I get this notice from my syndicator that WETR is taking the conspiracy show on. I tell you, i got a lump in my throat. Very, very special to have WETR as an affiliate here in the Conspiracy Show. And uh, our Gary, if you're listening, uh, love you, brother. Miss you. All right. We need now to get moving and motoring with the, uh, the program. U.S. President Woodrow Wilson once wrote, Some of the biggest men in the United States in the field of commerce and manufacture are afraid of something. They know that there is a power somewhere so organized, so subtle, so watchful, so interlocked, so complete, so pervasive that they had better not speak above their breath when they speak in condemnation of it. The real government of the United States is not the Congress, not the President, not the courts, not the Constitution, but the federal bureaucracy. This is what some have called the fourth branch of government, and it daily influences the constitutional three branches of government most voters perceive as functioning to serve we, the people, legislative, executive, and judicial. But perhaps... I might add, there is a fifth branch of government, one ruled by the spiritual realm, the demonic realm. We are about to embark on a, uh, a lengthy discussion on how the deep state occultists are manipulating American society through a Washington-based shadow government. Tom Horn is a longtime television and radio personality, author, and publisher. He serves as the chief executive officer of Skywatch TV and Defender Publishing. His newest work, Saboteurs, is the most critical and groundbreaking today from his earliest opus on secret societies and the occult to his new unnerving chronicle. Dr. Horn returns to Washington to expose an, a harrowing plot by his deep state Aleister Crowley and Masonic devotees that hold an almost unbelievable, a mas, um, an unbelievable secret they do not want you to understand. American society is being manipulated through a Washington-based shadow government in the quest of that final world order prophesied in the books of Daniel, Revelation, and on the great seal of the United States. Tom Horn, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you? Richard, it's great to be with you, and I don't know if the technicians can do anything to help me hear you better. I can barely hear you, so I'm trying uh, very uh, carefully to pay attention to uh, what's being said. Uh, but great to be on the program with you. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm being told we're going to boost my, my send signal to you as much as we can, um, but it may be sort of a phone connection on your end or mm -hmm. our end, but we'll do the best we can. I hope you can hear me. Uh, 
What do you think? I, I mentioned, you know, that maybe we should start thinking about a fifth branch of government, and that is the uh, the spiritual realm. Is there any any uh, any thoughts you have on that? Yeah, I mean, very interesting that you would put it that way, because in essence, that's what I tried to do with saboteurs. If you've read the book, or if one of your listeners reads the book or has. Uh, you know, I spend the first chapter or so talking about, uh, you know, what you call the fourth branch of government, the federal bureaucracy, the two and a half million, uh, you know, employees that work behind the scenes. Uh, what my friend uh, at the Pentagon, Lieutenant Colonel Robert McGinnis, uh, calls the people, you know, that oil um, the uh, skids for the trains to run in Washington. These are people that can help expedite presidential policy, but they can also become the cogs in the wheel that slow everything down. And the whole question that, uh, you know, the, m- much of the nation, America today, is asking here is, you know, are, is the deep state, is it operating to try to um, flummox the uh, intentions of the Trump administration? And has he come up against the deep state? And are they trying to intentionally work towards an end to actually undo a duly elected president, somehow get him out of office, you know, uh, and all of that? Um, and, uh, you know, I, I would not have written saboteurs if that was the only question being asked. Uh, what had happened was some revelations we can get into that came out of the WikiLeaks, um, some of my experience in Washington, D.C. in the past in writing Apollyon Rising and then Zenith 2016 and actually having the opportunity to meet privately with 33rd degree Freemasons at the House of the Temple in Washington, D.C. to ask them uh, private uh, questions. Much of the research that I had done in the past had led me to already believe uh, that um, there is a, what Colonel McGinnis also calls the deeper state, right? Uh, uh, an occult dynamic that is operating behind the scenes in Washington, D.C., that some people consider, including me, to be the real power uh, behind the throne. And the more that one looks into this, if they read the book Saboteurs, they're going to discover that it's really not just a conspiracy theory. There certainly is something operating here, and there are some real believers. There are some true believers, and and much of that was exposed uh, in the uh, WikiLeaks email exchanges that showed that some of the people, like John Podesta, who was the campaign manager for the Hillary Clinton campaign, um, the, these are people that are actually practicing spooky, deep-level occultism um, that is very connected to the prophecies that are on the Great Seal of the United States towards the development of a new world order. You you mentioned that there are roughly, what, two and a half, three million employees, career government personnel. Some of them are contractors, and and you you could include, I suppose, the press uh, in there, Um, that I suppose can that comprise what we call the deep state. How many of them really are knowing participants in this? We'll uh, we'll leave this kind of a rhetorical question and we'll uh, address it on the other side as we head into the break, but how many of them are knowing participants uh, in, I suppose you could say, Satan's army? How many of them are true devotees uh, of 
satanic worship and how many are just well-meaning but misguided individuals. We'll uh, talk about that and much more. Thomas Horn, author of Saboteurs, Shadow Government in Quest of the Final World Order, right here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Providing the evidence and letting you draw your own conclusions. This is The Conspiracy Show with Richard Sarrett. Welcome back. Thomas Horn, the author of Saboteurs, from shocking WikiLeaks revelations about Satanism and the U.S. Capitol to the connection between witchcraft, the Babylon working, spirit cooking, and the fourth turning great champion, how secret deep state occultists are manipulating an American society through a Washington-based shadow government in quest of the final world order. Wow. Thomas, I asked you before the break about the um, what we could sort of describe as the deep state, if we include the media and contractors and so forth. Let's say two and a half, three million strong, this army. How many are, are willing participants? How many know that they are conscious of the fact that they are sort of uh, satanic? And how many are just unwitting, useful fools? I would say, uh, Richard, the vast majority don't have a clue. The vast majority are not there because they want to worship the devil or anything like that. They're just part of the D.C. culture. They're part of the globalistic mindset, the liberal mindset that seems to permeate Washington, D.C. And if you're in that culture for a long period of time, this all just feels like the way things ought to be. And you look at a guy like Donald Trump and you think he's just a buffoon, you know, and <laughs> that is that has somehow stumbled into the office, uh, and at best he's an impediment to your globalistic goals, and so you're really you're just waiting for him to either leave office or hopefully you can maybe get him impeached or something like that, uh, so that you can get the you know you get back on track. But as far as the the occultic side of it, I would say that's really just a very small elite. Um, you know, what the numbers are, I don't know. Not a lot of people, but it's a very powerful elite. And that's the point, that these are the people that uh, puppet. These are the ones that are pulling the strings on the decisions that are being made in Washington. And once again, people listening to this program, if they think that I'm making all of that up, they can go and they can read the WikiLeaks for themselves. And undoubtedly, one of the most bizarre leaks in that whole collection was where Clinton campaign chairman John Podesta is invited to a spirit cooking session, a spirit cooking dinner by uh, performance artist Marina Abramovic. Uh, and these emails, when you read them, um, it's not like they, you know, they're coming from nowhere. It's obvious these people all know each other. They're all friends. Uh, they're communicating with one another on a very personal level. And, uh, uh, you know, Marina, uh, who's um, somewhat of a darling to the Hollywood elite and evidently some of the U.S. government elite, she emails John Podesta's brother, Tony, uh, who, by the way, both of these guys, Tony Podesta and John Podesta, in these emails, it's obvious they're also believers in what they call contiguous aliens. And uh, numerous of their emails um, between them and other uh, government and uh, NASA astronauts and even Vatican insiders indicated that if uh, Hillary had been elected, we were moving towards what they were calling an official disclosure moment. Now, why they were saying that, we're not going to know for now. 
but they were talking about it as if it was real. In fact, both um, his name is slipping me right now, but the U.S. astronaut. Uh, and this lady who was a representative of the Vatican, they're talking to um, Tony Podesta. Was that Edgar Mitchell? Edgar Mitchell? Yes, thank you. About meeting with uh, Obama over this whole issue of official disclosure of contiguous aliens, which the Vatican lady uh, describes as being devoted to God. So anyway, some very strange stuff going on there. But this Marina Abramovic, I'm not going to take time in this program. We don't have enough time to talk about all the stuff that she's done, but a lot of it is deeply occultic, deeply satanic. She's very much an Aliester Crowley devotee. And in fact, spirit cooking comes right out of the liber of Aliester Crowley. And the whole purpose of doing spirit cooking, and she did it as an artist, but the purpose from Aliester Crowley's point of view was to use you know, particular body fluids. Some of this stuff's kind of disgusting, so I won't talk about it on, you know, I won't, describe what it is on your radio program but the purpose for doing it is uh, for enchantment and to put yourself into contact with these contiguous entities uh, now Aliaster Crowley himself is connected to what was going on with John Podesta and Tony Podesta and Marina Abramovic and the magic that they were uh, performing and it's also connected to Hillary Clinton. Now, the one thing I was not able to do in the book Saboteurs was to determine in my investigation whether or not Hillary Clinton herself was aware of what the Podestas and others were doing and what they believed and, and whether she acknowledged in any way these enchantments as it's connected to well, the Babylon working. Well, Tom, it has been uh, reported, I don't know if it's been confirmed, you can comment, that during the Clinton White House, Hillary essentially convened a coven in the White House. She had some of the top New Age occultists uh, channeling spirits in the White House. Hillary was reported to have channeled Eleanor Roosevelt herself. What do you know about that? Well, that's true. In fact, Bill Clinton admitted that when they dedicated that park in New York City, uh, the uh, Roosevelt, uh, Eleanor Roosevelt Park, or whatever it's called, uh, you can you can look this up on YouTube, and you can actually watch Bill Clinton uh, at that event saying that not only had Hillary done this before, but that she had called him the very day that he was going there to dedicate uh, that park to the Roosevelt family and let him know that she had once again spoke to Eleanor Roosevelt, that Eleanor wanted the family, the Roosevelt family, to know that she was there among them. So, yeah, that that's definitely something um, that uh, she was participating in. Uh, one of uh, Bill Clinton's other, um, I forget what his name was, but there's a, I shouldn't even mention it because I'm not going to be able to remember his name, but one of Bill Clinton's um, um, assistants when he was in the White House, who was responsible for making sure that they didn't get any egg on their face by mis making misstatements or whatever in the public, had told him privately um, that he was very concerned about Hillary Clinton meeting with witches, covens in California and things like that. Again, people can Google that. They can read it for themselves. I'm not making it up. But the, but, but, but the part that concerned me uh, in the WikiLeaks, and let me just do it, let me try to do this as quickly as I can before we go to another commercial break. Uh, why um, the comments that were being made by the Podestas and the others 
Why that concerned me as it involved the potential election of Hillary Clinton was I came to believe that the Podestas and those around them believed that Hillary Clinton was the fulfillment of the 1946 Babylon working, um, the incarnation of the whore of Babylon. Now, that sounds outrageous until you think about exactly what was going on. They were practicing exactly the same telemic religion, the same telemic practices as Aleister Crowley had taught and that later L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Persons had participated in. Now, why would I say that? Very quickly, in 1918, Aleister Crowley says that he's going to open a dimensional vortex that will bridge the gap between this world uh, and the unseen. He performs this series of sex magic rituals called the Amalantra working. Now, the whole purpose of that was just to bring through an entity from the contiguous realities into our realities. And at one point, uh, he says he was successful. He says he brings through this entity. In fact, he drew a picture of it. People can Google it. They can look it up on WikiLeaks. Uh, he drew a pencil drawing of this entity he called LAM, L-A-M, which looks suspiciously like the uh, alien greys of today's, uh, you know, um, abduction um, entities. Um, and uh, But now fast forward uh, to 1946, and two of his um, devotees, his disciples, L. Ron Hubbard and Jack Parsons, who founded the Jet Propulsion Laboratory, they want to repeat the Amalantra workings, but in this case, they don't want to bring through one of these alien greys or whatever into our reality. What they want to do is bring about the incarnation of the um, archetype divine feminine, the, the, uh, uh, the antithesis of the Virgin Mary. They want to bring through the whore of Babylon. And they began a whole series in 1946 of sex magic rituals called the Babylon Working. They spelled it B-A-B-A-L-O-N, for those that might want to look it up, the Babylon Working. This would be a, a demon child, um, a giborim. And Parsons later wrote that the ritual was successful. He wrote this in his own bio before he blew himself up in a, a rocket experiment. And he talks about this brownish-yellow light that comes through this doorway and all that. But, but he goes on to talk about how a female child was incarnate within a woman in 1946 that was going to go on to become this whore of Babylon, this archetype divine feminine. She would be a feminist. She would help uh, move America away from its um, Judeo-Christian kind of abramic uh, male-dominated values more towards a goddess-centered kind of value system. And um, uh, he says in his bio that they were successful. Now, the reason that's important is because if they really were successful, then you count forward nine months from 1946, you wind up in 1947, and you ask yourself, was there any female child born in 1947 that would go on to become an internationally recognized feminist who could help change American values? And, and indeed there was uh, a single woman born that year that could do that, and that is Hillary Rodham Clinton. Mm. Now, I'm not saying, by the way, that Hillary 
is the fulfillment of the Babylon working. What I'm saying is it is very obvious based on the WikiLeaks and the revelation that the Podestas and others were practicing exactly the same Telemic religion, exactly the same stuff that uh, L. Ron Hubbard and them were practicing, that, that they were aware of the Babylon workings and that they believed it. Whether Hillary was even aware of it, I don't know. But obviously they believed it. Now here's another thing, though, to think about. And so 1947, Hillary Rodham Clinton is born. 1948, just one year later, um, Jack Parsons wrote another small book called the, uh, called the Book of the Antichrist. And guess what? In that book, now get this, this is written 69 years ago. In that book, he said that the spirit of this female child came to him in a vision, presented itself to him, told him, I'm alive, I'm on earth, I'm doing well, I'm healthy, I'm going to grow up, and I'm going to help the Antichrist come to power. But why is this book important? Because in one single line in the book of the Antichrist, written 69 years ago, he said the child identified herself to him and told him her name. And in this one line in Book of the Antichrist, she says, I am Hilarion, which is the arcane Hillary. It's where the name Hillary comes right, from. Right, right. It's the origin of the name Hillary. So uh, in my book, Saboteurs, I ask people out there, I say, you know, I want a mathematician, a statistician. I want somebody to come forward and tell me, uh, what are the statistical probabilities? that the people around Hillary Clinton were practicing exactly the same magic as the Babylon working, that somebody born in 1947 would go on to become an internationally known feminist who could help move America away from its you know, male-dominated, patriarchal kind of religious system, uh, and, and more importantly, whose name is Hillary. Now, one final thing about this. Uh, by the way, is in 2020, Hillary Clinton will be 72 years of age, and 72 is the highest number in all of arcane occultism. It's the it's the same year, by the way, that uh, Aleister Crowley died. He died when he was 70, 72 years of age. It's the number of demons in the Goetia. It's the number of of, uh, of uh, pentagrams and the binding utility inside the Capitol Dome of the United States of America beneath the famous painting by Brumidi of George Washington becoming the god Osiris. It's a very, very, very important number, and that's the age that Hillary will be in 2020. Now, I, I, I got to jump Hillary's in here. Got a chance, by the way. <laughs> no, let's just stop, and we'll uh, pick it up on the other side. Thomas Horn, author of The Saboteurs, is with us, and we will uh, continue this very, very important discussion on the other side. My name is Richard Serrett. This is The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. Take a look around. What do you really see? This is where you can tell all about it. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. 
Before we get back to my uh, conversation with Thomas Horn, author of Saboteurs, just a very quick thank you to uh, Melanie Jacob, who sent this lovely Hanukkah card to me, and I just received it as I walked into the studio tonight. Thank you. Uh, What a wonderful, uh, beautiful card and a nice sentiment inside. Thank you so much, Melanie. All right, uh, Thomas Horn is uh, here. We are talking about uh, the shadow government. Interesting, you know, we're talking about uh, Hillary Clinton. wanted to get a quick take on you about Rabbi uh, Jonathan Kahn, good friend of the program, um, finding parallels between uh, Hillary Clinton uh, to the Old Testament figure of Jezebel, uh, who figured very, you know, large in the narrative of the uh, ancient Israeli kingdom uh, northern uh, of North Israel, or the Isra- northern kingdom of Israel, uh, the, the parallels there are striking. Uh, Hillary Clinton as Jezebel. What are your thoughts? Yeah, you know what's very interesting? Uh, Rabbi Khan's a personal friend of mine. In fact, he was uh, here in uh, Missouri with me just recently. We were having conversations. He, uh, he had read Saboteurs, and he said, do you know that you know in his, uh, in his brand new book that just came out, that uh, he had written a chapter, and he gave me a copy of the book, and I'm sad to say I have yet not even read it. I've been too busy to read it, but he told me the same thing, that um, there was some stuff in there that he thought was very important to me. So what did you find that you liked? Well, the the the, uh, the parallels between the, the the character Jezebel in the Old Testament and how she is obviously uh, trying to introduce uh, goddess worship into the northern kingdom, and uh, that certainly uh, strikes a chord in terms of, of, of Hillary. Uh, the other th- striking point is that Jezebel was really pushing for uh, you know child sacrifice in right. in uh, in the Northern Kingdom. And uh, what did the Clintons do? I mean, they were they were big proponents of, of late term abortion. Um, so you know that's very striking. But the other thing is that are the time. The time uh, frames in terms of how long Jezebel was on was on the scene in Israel, how long Hillary was on the scene, uh, the the confrontation between this warrior figure that takes on Jezebel in Israel, the warrior figure has great there's great parale- parallels between the warrior and and uh, Donald Trump. It goes on and on and on, right right down to the day and the hour almost. It's it's unbelievable, Tom. There is some very strange stuff like that uh, right now. But between what you're telling me about Rabbi Kong, who again is a personal friend of mine, um, and uh, uh, and and not just Hillary. And by the way, again, let me emphasize to the people that are listening: uh, I was not able to uncover any evidence that Hillary Clinton was aware that the people around her were practicing the same ritual magic that connected her to the. Babylon working, and that convinced me that these people believed that Hillary Clinton was the fulfillment of that working uh, in the lead-up to the election that she lost. Uh, and I think it's why they were talking about uh, official disclosure, contiguous aliens, and a lot of other things. Um, uh, and, and I am aware of some of her you know, efforts to communicate with the dead and things like that, but I wasn't able to make that connection. But but the other thing, though, uh, now that you brought it up, and I wasn't even going to mention this, but the other part about the WikiLeaks that was very uh, concerning to me, and a lot of bloggers and conspiracy sites paid attention to, to this other part of the Podesta brothers uh, in 2016 and early 2017 when they spoke out on the so-called Pizzagate 
revelations. Yes. yes. That inferred that something there was going on that might be connected to Bill and Hillary Clinton having to do with underage children uh, that were being trafficked for use by very powerful political underworld figures uh, connected to them. And, and it doesn't help that the WikiLeaks emails included some emails, interchanges, that had John Podesta talking about his close relationship with former Speaker of the House Dennis Hastert and people like that that, you know, went to prison for uh, sexually abusing boys. In fact, the judge called Hastert a serial child molester. Uh, he was released not long ago uh, after serving a little over a year of his sentence. Well, there was so many. There were the code language, the encrypted language in those emails, uh, according to even FBI agents, uh, really speak to uh, that that whole you know pedophilia uh, language. And whether that's connected to John Podesta, I don't know. But here's the thing: everyone, the mainstream media was focused on one particular pizza shop, which may or may not have been involved. Apparently, it wasn't. But that's not the story. There is this underlying. Uh, child sex ring that is going on in Washington, in Hollywood. We're just barely scratching the surface now uh, with these latest revelations uh, about Weinstein and so forth. I'm hoping, you know, that people will really start to come forward and speak about what is really going on in Hollywood above, above and beyond, you know, what is obviously a horrible situation with sexual harassment. But there's so much more to be told. Yeah, um, look, I mean, regardless of whether, and we could go into all this if you want to, but if, whether everything surround a, surrounding the so-called Pizzagate um, uh, theory, uh, and they were using um, a lot of the key words that the FBI and the uh, you know other intelligence agencies are aware are kind of code words or pedophiles like hot dog and pizza and pasta and and all that little uh, things that represent the little girls and little boys um, and uh, and then in the book saboteurs I also connect to that some of the what I would call occult pedophilic art collection that's part of the Podesta family. Certainly, Tony Podesta uh, uh, displayed that. And not just pedophilic stuff where he's got, you know, artwork that would probably get you or me or anybody else arrested, right? Mm. That would be considered to be uh, pedophilia, but in their case defined as uh, artwork. But but then other very, very disturbing things like, uh, you know, John Podesta... And, uh, you know, borrowing a piece of artwork from his brother he's got hanging in his office. And it was one of the major, like, Washington Times, whoever did an article on it, uh, where it shows, like, a dead human laying on a table and, and two different people sitting there getting ready to cannibalize, getting ready oh, to dear, eat a dead human. And John Podesta saying it's better to be the guy that's, you know, doing the eating than the one being ate. Thomas, I got to jump in here. This is uh, the, de- the depravity is uh, just unlimited. We'll be back. Thomas Horn, saboteurs, right here on the Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. You're listening to the Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. 
Michael Fries from the uh, Order of Exorcists joins me in the uh, the second hour. Right now, Thomas Horn stays with us, the author of Saboteurs, Shadow Government in Quest of the Final World Order. I look at the, the progressive uh, left. I call them the fundamentalist progressives. And uh, who do they look up to? They look up to people like Margaret Sanger, the den mother of Planned Parenthood, which is now thankfully being investigated finally by the Department of Justice uh, for trading in... Um, uh, fetal tissue uh, and fetal body parts, body parts of the unborn. Uh, and then we have Saul Alinsky, of course, the author of uh, Rules for Radicals, who dedicated the book to Lucifer. Um, do these people who, who um, follow sort of in lockstep with, with, with the left not understand the, uh, the legacy, what's going on here? Oh, some of them absolutely do. Not only do they understand, they're devoted to an occult um, agenda. Um, you know, once again, and I don't want to keep mentioning the WikiLeaks, but one of the other things in WikiLeaks that was revealed, pictures. John Podesta took pictures of himself that he was emailing. He never thought these pictures were going to be shared with people outside of his inner circle. Um, but uh, John Podesta flashing hand symbols with the number 14 on one hand and a fish on the other hand. These, of course, were immediately identified by both myself and also investigators of occultism uh, as the necromantic symbols taken from uh, the myth of Osiris. 14 being the number of pieces Osiris was chopped into, and the fish being the uh, animal that ate the 14th piece of Osiris, which was his male organ. This is central, central, not only to the occult beliefs of ancient Egyptian uh, cosmology, how to raise the spirit of Osiris, but you can't walk in Washington, D.C. If you, if you understand the uh, meaning behind the prophecies on the great seal of the United States that speak to the second coming of the god Osiris. Uh, uh, if you can't read the um, biography of the vice president, Henry Wallace, who convinced uh, President Roosevelt uh, to put the great seal on the uh, $1 bill, and Henry Wallace wrote extensively about how uh, both he and Roosevelt believed that the Great Seal was a Masonic prophecy about the coming of a global future leader that would give rise to the New World Order. And Wallace kind of imagined himself. He fancied himself maybe getting to be that guy. Um, but you can't read any of these works and not understand the layout of Washington, D.C. Go today and stand in the, the mall of Washington, D.C., where the largest obelisk of its kind stands, uh, six, 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 six inches high, six, six, six inches wide along each line at the base. The Washington Monument, it's an Egyptian symbol. It's, a, the, it's the phallus of Osiris. Everybody anywhere knows that that's a fact. Um, then go over inside the dome, the U.S. Capitol Dome, and stand inside the U.S. Capitol Dome and ask yourself, why would Podesta be flashing the number 14 on one hand and a fish on the other? Stand inside the U.S. Capitol Dome and look up 
and see the apotheosis of George Washington, the famous painting by Brumidi. And there's George Washington. The official records, apotheosis means to become a god. What god is he becoming? The official records say he's becoming the first Osiris uh, uh, in uh, America. Look at the heaven that he's rising into. There's no Christian symbols there. Michael the Archangel isn't there. There's no cross of Jesus. There's nothing having to do with Christianity. It's ironic that people say that America was founded on Christianity. That's baloney if you're looking up inside that heaven. That heaven is filled with only pagan gods, and even the god uh, 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 that um, Manly P. Hall uh, described as filling the Freemasons' hands with the seething energies of Lucifer. Right below that are 72 pentagrams, which I mentioned earlier. Anyway, it's all occult symbolism that's very connected to John Podesta and what he's flashing on his hands. Well, what is he doing? Why is he doing that in relationship to Hillary Clinton? Because um, the idea is that in the future of America, based on the writings of Wallace, based on the prophecies on the great seal of the United States of America that come from the Kume Sibyl, the prophetess of the god Apollo, um, the day is coming in which an international leader is going to arrive on the world scene, uh, and all of the nations of the world are going to bow to him as essentially the god of planet Earth. This is all what they are working toward, is the fulfillment of the prophecy of the Kume Sibyl, uh, the fulfillment of the second coming of the god Osiris. I'm, I'm looking at the clock, and I realize I don't have time to go into the Egyptian the manifestations of all of this and how the pharaoh would be taken on a barge during the festival of Opet up to the largest religious complex ever built, the Temple of Amun-Ra at Karnak. He would go inside the, the dome there, the ever-pregnant belly of Isis, and the uh, Egyptian uh, magicians would come inside and perform the raising of Osiris ceremony. And the book of Exodus tells us these Egyptians were very powerful in terms of their occult enchantments. Uh, but they would bring about the raising of Osiris, the seed of Osiris, drawn up from the underworld through the testes of the obelisk. It would emit into the dome of Isis where Pharaoh was standing, and Pharaoh would be transmogrified. What so, has that got to do with anything? Well, that was supposed to happen in the United States were it not for the election of the 45th president, Donald J. Trump, I'm guessing. That's exactly right, because if listeners to this want to know what I'm babbling about, at, at the election of every American president, when he's standing inside the Capitol Dome in America, above him, the first Osiris, George Washington, and the, and the Pythagorean binding utility that's supposed to bind the 72 cosmocraters to accomplish the will of the, uh, of, of the people seeking them, uh, the president stands right below that during his inauguration, looking out at the obelisk, just like the ancient pharaoh did. But guess what's going on across town? I've been there. I've been inside the temple room on a private tour with 33rd-degree Freemasons. And inside the temple room, where the altar sets, and above it, the uh, uh, um, 666 um, magic square that in Greek mythology brought about the the raising of Apollo. Apollo and Osiris are both mixed in all these metaphors. Again, we're going to run out of time. I don't have time to explain why 
but the uh, the modern magicians, the modern Egyptian magicians, are performing the raising of Osiris ceremony in that temple, just a little ways away from the White House, at the inauguration of every American president. Well, anyway, I go into all of that explain all of it in the book saboteurs by the way we just also released another book called the day the earth stands still it too takes off on what was revealed in the wikileaks that's by uh derek gilbert the host of my television program skywatch tv yes and uh josh peck have you had them on your program i've had derek on the program and we'll have him back on uh, and you as well uh, just uh, both uh, terrific let me just ask you as we we head into the, uh, the uh, into the top of the hour break here, and that is Trump versus the occultic deep state. Uh, what do you what do you believe? Is he is he going to win? I think that Trump. Um, you know the uh, the rabbis. You mentioned Rabbi Khan, but the rabbis in Israel right now, the um, Orthodox rabbis. Um, there's at least a half dozen of them that believe that Donald Trump is a Cyrus figure. So, in other words, not necessarily, you know, a perfect religious figure, and even a pagan, perhaps, but somebody nevertheless used by God, raised up, put into this position, because he is not owned by the cross-party monopoly in Washington, D.C., the Republicans and the Democrats, right, the, the establishment. He's not owned by them. He just does what he wants to do. Uh, and he is imperfect, to say the least. But rabbis in Israel believe he's been raised up by God. Uh, and that, and in fact, especially following his declaration last week of Jerusalem as the, you know, um, the capital of Israel, uh, they now are saying that he's being used by God to give rise to the messianic era now i'm a christian so my worldview would be different than theirs if they say he's giving rise to the messianic era i look at that and think okay well in my interpretation that would mean he's he's going to help give rise to the antichrist now that doesn't necessarily make him a bad guy that just means that he's pushing uh israel he's pushing uh jerusalem um, this could help. In fact, some of the rabbis also talking about him being the guy paving the way for the building of the next temple, the third temple. But in, but in, uh, uh, you know, Western uh, evangelicalism, uh, especially dispensationalism, uh, many scholars would say, well, then that means that a third temple could be built. But the Daniel, the Apostle Paul, and Jesus all talk about the temple being defiled by the coming man of sin. Yeah, so, that has to come first before the so, second yeah, coming. So his efforts could be leading literally to the second coming of Jesus, but before that it could lead to the coming of Antichrist. Not that I'm saying that Obama, excuse me, not that I'm saying that Trump would want that to happen. Right, he's moving biblical prophecy yeah, along. Could certainly be. Thomas, uh, obviously far too much to discuss in an hour. I'd love to have you back on. I hope you'll join us again. 
Well, I'm glad to be here. And by the way, for anybody that wants to get the book Saboteurs, go to skywatchtv.com. They're giving away like $500 <laughs> in product over there with the release of that book and also Day of the Earth Stand Still. So get it there. It's cheaper than Amazon anyway. Give us the, uh, email, the uh, web, web again. Yeah, skywatchtv.com. Skywatchtv.com. Thomas, thank you. Great pleasure. Hey, man, Richard, thanks for having me on. Anytime. Michael Fries, The Order of Exorcists, on the other side. Stay with us.